0: Church of Omaha, if we could gather into our seats, if you are a first-time visitor or are brand new here, we welcome you. I'm glad you're here today. Um, I don't see any children hanging out here, but if some do show up and someone connects with the kids or their family, they can go down the side here, I believe they're back here in the Sunday school wing. Well, I want to jump into the word of the Lord. We are in the month of December, it is the Christmas season, and So, um, but I want to start out just as Jeremy did on uh, Wednesday night, but I want to reference Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, then I'm going to jump over to Luke chapter 1, and then we're going to go and we're going to hang out in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, so we're hitting a lot of 1's today, I think I hit Colossians chapter 1 as well, um, but Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, for unto us... A child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 1, it says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good unto me also having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things which thou hast been instructed. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. God, we're your people. God, we're we're the sheep of your pasture. We want to hear from you, Lord. Strengthen, encourage, change. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've got the, uh, the music stand today. It doesn't have quite as much space as that nice big pulpit. Um, maybe I shouldn't have brought the big apostolic study Bible. I needed the handy size version, right? Um, but for unto us a child is born. And today I would like to talk to you specifically about the unto us. Unto us. With the focus then being on the child is born. Um, in Luke chapter 1 here, uh, I noted right at the top in verses, verse 1 and verse 2, uh, the writer, the physician here, Luke, who we find later um, in the New Testament had traveled around with the Apostle Paul and, and he had done lots of interviews and he had gone back and it looks like he perhaps visited with Mary and, and he connected with different people who, um, as he writes here, had traveled with Jesus. And he wrote everything down, he studied it, he, he researched it, he looked into it, he was going to get it right, he was going to get it correct, and, and he says, even as they delivered them unto us, I've received something that was given to us, to me. Say, given to me. I, I do like in verse 4, and I bolded it, and he says, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things which thou hast been instructed. The certainty. You now, we live in a world where people question a lot of things. They question the validity of the Bible, which is amazing to me, given that those same people will take a scrap of paper, um, not even paper, right, but they'll find a fragment on a piece of stone, a little chunk of papyrus, and, uh, uh, and they'll, something that was from this time period, and they'll latch on to it, and it'll, they'll take it as a lot of truth, but yet when you look at all the thousands of documents we have concerning the Bible, people are like, is that for real? When you look at stories of the flood, not only do you have all the documents of the, the Hebrew Bible, you have all the other cultures that describe it. And they're like, really? No. Is that for real? When they look around and they find uh, localized flooding across the entire world, I'm like, how local is that anymore? Um, when you go to the top of Mount Everest and you find, uh, um, when you find uh, fossils from the ocean, sea creatures, really? How did they get on the top of Mount Everest? And... And so they have their stories and they have their things and they try to question the word of God. But the writer Luke here, he just tells us that thou mightest know the certainty. Hey, you've heard some things, but I'm just wanting you to know is you know me and I know you. And Sister Chiara, you're nodding your head. So you know me and I know you and, and and hopefully you trust me. That's Luke right there. My name's Lucas. This is working out really great today. So you're Theophilus? No. Um and, and so we know each other. And I'm telling you something. You're like, okay, I can trust Lucas. And Lucas went back to the source. Oh, hear me today, church. There's people that are listening to you. And you've had an experience with Jesus Christ. And they know you. And they trust you. And you can come to them with certainty. And you can say, hey, I was going through a struggle. I had a hard time and a problem, but I took this Bible for what it said. I got down and I prayed and I sought God and He answered my prayer, not once, not twice, not three times, but time and time and time again. And you can get a certainty from me that I'm telling you, hey, this thing is true. You can count on it. But you know more than that is when you go to God, and I've told this to my children, I've put it in practice myself, I've opened up this Bible, and I've said, okay, God, my Sunday school teacher taught this to me. My pastor has preached it. I've felt your presence. I've felt things that I can't just, I can't just pass off. I've felt you in mighty and powerful ways. I responded to preaching, and, and it came true. And, but I don't understand some things here. Why do I need to live this way? What, what? It doesn't make a lot of sense. First off, don't start out with the question of, Does it make sense? Start out with, okay, God, do you want me to do that? Is that something you want me to do? Help me to understand what it is you want me to do. And if you'll start there and you'll be obedient to God, then what you're saying is whether it makes sense or not, because you asked it, I'm going to do it. And then if you will start there, God will begin to give you revelations Okay, and you're like, okay, I get it now. This is your principle. This is how you want things. And so I'm going to do it your way. But if you'll start first with God, you have my allegiance, you have my obedience, whatever it is you want. So I, so I would ask him, Lord, help me to understand now. I'm not going to walk out on the teaching. I'm not going to give up on it. I, I'm not tossing in the towel because it doesn't make sense and it doesn't fit with my worldview. But Lord, help me to understand You know, I did this even as a kid. So some of you are thinking, boy, he was a nerd. You know, it's okay to live for God as a child. Just want to put that out there. (laughs) You can live for God anytime. And it's okay to dig into the Bible. And you should dig into the Bible. Study to show thyself approved unto God. And, And so I would ask him. And man, I saw things from outward holiness to... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Those things would pop off the page in me. Help me to understand salvation. God, would you open this word to me? I couldn't get away from it. When I asked God to help me understand, and one day I asked him about a scripture. I'm like, what does this even mean? And it didn't pop off the page. And next week it didn't pop off the page. And it went by a couple years. And one day I was sitting in a church service, and the preacher said something. And just like that, God struck my mind, and he said, remember when you asked me what does this mean? This is what it means. And God did not forget that I had asked him the meaning of a verse. And yet I didn't walk out on God. And he didn't walk out on me. And in his time, he shared it with me. I thought might just know the certainty of those things. You can be certain. You can count on this book. Trust me today. I'm telling you. Try God. Take, tell him his promises. Read to him this word. Share it with him. But we're talking about, for unto us a child is born. And so it would be fitting, if I was to talk about a child is born, that I would read about a child that's, well, what child are we talking about here? Come on. Jesus, this is, man, these are hard questions. You know, every time I ask my kids a question, I think they think I'm, like, pulling a trick on them. And they're always, they're they're always, like, simple answers. Did you want something to eat? (laughs) Okay, there they would say Yes. (laughs) But no, you know what they first respond with? What is it? No, no. Are you hungry? Well, what are you making? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think maybe you guys have that problem too. Macaroni and cheese. No, not for me today. Hot dogs? Nope. Didn't really fill that. Can I have a bowl of cereal? But I would like to read here and just talk about for a moment verse 12. And it says, when Zechariah saw him, this is speaking of an angel he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. See that Jesus wasn't the only child born at this time of year we called Christmas. I don't know that Jesus was born on Christmas, but we celebrate it here. But six months before, there's one named John, a cousin. And there was, another, there was a woman. A woman who was elderly. And we can tell here that they'd been praying. And, and he tells Zacharias, Fear not, thy prayer is heard. Something got a hold of me when I read this. Because I, I could see the anguish of that family. See, these were upright people. These were people who had been holy before God. They had lived diligently for God. They had put everything they had into this. And Zacharias... It was okay for him to go in and to, to um, burn the incense, and he was working in the church there, and, and an angel comes, and, and he's bright and shining, and Gabriel standing right here. <laughs> I, I don't know about you. If I, if I came in here at home, I don't care where, if there was an angel right there, and nobody else was supposed to be in that room where Zacharias was, okay? It was just him. And he walks in, and suddenly, boom, there's a man there. Well, I'd be a little shook. Has anybody ever been surprised? Has ever been anybody been the one that stood behind the door to surprise somebody else? That's always fun. Um, and then you find out the other individual didn't think it was fun. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I would be stuck, shocked. And when I'm in this setting where it's already spiritual to start with, and then there, a, a, a person from God is standing there, and they give me a message, I'd be like, thank you, Jesus. At least I would hope I would be there. You know, we do receive a word from God. We have a a, a pastor, a preacher that gets up here and preaches a word. And yet sometimes, I don't know if we expect that they have to be bright and shiny or maybe have have wings on and and what what we're looking for. Because Zacharias here, he meets this angel in a place where he shouldn't meet anyone. And the angel tells him, your prayer is heard. You're going to have a child. And Zacharias says, okay, I'm having a spiritual moment here. You know Moses, he had the whole uh, burning bush episode here, and and I know Isaiah, he 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 was in the he he saw the the um, Lord high and lifted up, and and, and I've got lots of um, Bible stories here, but but how is this going to happen? How it, for real? <laughs> and you're like, why would Zacharias say for real? You know he had diligently served the Lord for years, year after year after year. But you can tell here that their hope had not come to pass. When you have hoped for a really long time, and you've hoped, and you've prayed, and you've hoped, and you've prayed, and then a word comes out, and finally you're like, you know what, God, I hope, you know how many years I hoped for this? This is beyond impossible now. And you're telling me, I know you're standing here with a word today, but you're telling me that you're gonna answer my prayer? Is this for real? I need something more. How do I know? Where shall I know this? Whereby shall I know this? And I see this doubt and this struggle in Zechariah. And the angel, he would have nothing to do with it. He's like, okay, you're not gonna be able to speak, you're dumb. And he came out. You know, everybody else looked at him. They didn't need to see an angel. They were like, that man just had a spiritual moment. He went into that room talking. He came out not talking. You know, I'm thankful. I wonder if Zachariah would have gone home and talked his wife out of the miracle. <laughs> I don't think that's that. Really? Do you think this is going to happen? But he struggled with doubt. He struggled with unbelief there. And I want to encourage somebody today. I, I want to encourage you on a couple paths. People who have gone before you have struggled with doubt. People who have lived for God. In John here, John, the cousin of Jesus that was to prepare the way of Jesus Christ, that, that, that prophet in the wilderness, that voice in the wilderness uh, uh, um, declaring to repent, the kingdom of God is at hand that, that, uh, uh, that caused people to flood out to him and, and to begin to change their ways and to refocus on a Savior dad of that man named John, he doubted. That man was a man who lived for God, who, who you would have looked at and said, he's done everything right, and he doubted. And sometimes you might go through doubt, but I want to encourage you today. I don't care how long you have held on to Jesus. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. You might go through struggle, and you might go through trial, but don't give up hope. And so from that hope, not every prayer you have prayed may be answered the way that you want. But Zechariah and Elizabeth was given a child that day, and we have been given a greater child. Oh, it's a hope that goes beyond hope. Oh, we've been given Jesus Christ And I know it's that time of year and it's Christmas, but I have just a little bit of excitement because the king of glory, the creator of the universe, he put on humanity. He robed himself in flesh. Oh, if you could get an understanding what that word son of God means. Now when I talk about Liam, son of Lucas, Liam is somebody else. And sometimes by the way he behaves, he's a great young kid. But I know he's somebody else. He's not me. Because I wouldn't have done that. Or maybe I would have, actually. Um, at his age, sometimes I get on to him and then I say, Liam, I understand. I did the same thing. Sometimes Liam probably looks over and says, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> and he's looking at me. And so he's Liam and he's, while he's my son, he's separate. But when it comes to God, that word son of God, God is a spirit. He's invisible. No man has seen God at any time. But Jesus is the expressed image of God. It's different. God put on humanity. There was a literal baby born, and He was born in that manger. But that baby was God revealed in flesh. So definitely one day, God has always been and He always will be. And from the very beginning, He purposed to come and to put on humanity. He intended to do that. That's why He's the first and the last. But it was on a special day that there was a literal human flesh birthed. And that was the man, Jesus Christ, who in Him dwelt all the fullness of God bodily Oh, and that is the mystery. How could God do that? I don't know. It defies every bit of science, but God is the one who created science. It's not the reverse. And God can do anything. And God is in charge. Somebody take courage in that today. Because when you go to the doctor and they run the the ultrasound or the MRI or they do the x-ray and they do the blood tests and they say, well, here's your prognosis. You know what you have right there? You now have evidence of a problem that God can move in. So thank the Lord that a problem has been revealed so that He can get glory. Oh, give Him a hand clap. Hallelujah. Lord, You are holy, and You are righteous, and You are mighty. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 1, he refers to the Old Testament, and he says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He Himself had purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And First Peter, where I told you we'd be hanging out, chapter 1, he tells us in verse 10, chapter 1, verse 10, he says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently who prophesied of the grace that would come unto you, searching what or what manner the, of the time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. You can see these men of old. These were Daniels, Jeremiah's, Isaiahs, Micahs, men that I look back at and I think, wow, these were King Davids. And they were like, wait a second. Oh, let me get back into the book. Let me study Oh, they would get down, like Dave or Daniel did, and they would say, "Lord, give me an understanding. What does this book mean?" They would cry out to God, they would fast and they would pray. These were great men. These were men that committed their lives to God in the face of, of terrible um, adversity and persecution. They went through things that none of us have ever even come close to suffering. And some of you have suffered some terrible things. They had their homes ripped apart. They were persecuted. Some were buried into, the, into clay. And, um, and these men, they held on. Some were pulled apart, cut in half. And yet, they said, I want to know this book. Well, God, what it is that you want. And they longed for what we have. They wondered about it. They wondered. And yet he says here, which was the Spirit of Christ which is in them to signify when it testified beforehand of the sufferings in the Christ and the glory that should come, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us did they minister these things which are now reported unto you by them which have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which the angels desired to look into. Church, everyone under the sound of my voice, whether you're in this building or online, You have a gift. You have a child. You have Jesus Christ. Oh, and it's something that that great men of old longed to have, that they looked into, but we have a hope that no one else in history before um, that day on Christmas has ever had. People longed for this, but He gave it to you. Brother Kennedy, I don't know about you, but I don't feel like when I look at myself and I look at Daniel and he was a ruler in, in, in two nations, the right-hand man to two great kings, or not just kings, many kings, but to two great nations. When I look at him, and then I look at myself, I say, hold on a second. Brittany, when I look at Isaiah who entered in and he had the coal touched to his lips and he saw the Lord high and lifted up, I'm like, who am I? I'm just over here struggling. I'm trying to figure out my job and, and I'm like trying to get myself, to you know, don't be lazy, Lucas, and trying to, to be a good father to five kids. And, and, and I'm just trying to, to be a husband, you know, just make it through life and to, to do the little things in life. Maybe like pay the parking ticket. I think I have one of those hanging out there for a long time. I don't know why they print the paper to send it, because it's only one, and I don't want to pay one until I have two. Um, when I get past that limit where they're like not giving me the break anymore, I'm like, all right, we'll show you. you know, I don't see myself as these great men over here and yet God didn't do it because we had done some great work and we're now worthy for it. He said, I'm having you born into a time when I'm going to live in people and I'm going to come myself to save you and to help you and to be your strength. Oh, hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 26, it says, "Even the mystery which has been hid from the ages and from the generations is now made manifest." What is that word manifest means revealed. You can see it, you can understand it, not just with your eyeballs, but with your heart, to whom God would have made, would make known what is the richest of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, when we talk about Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost, and those are all biblical words, okay? So don't make me think I'm pushing them away. What that means is when God moves on you. That's what we're talking about when we we reference it. Specifically, we say the Holy Spirit is when God's moving, when he's moving. But that's just the spirit of Jesus Christ. And when he lives in you, that's what he did on the day of Pentecost. He said, I want to be in you. And what is that mystery, that great thing, that, that manifested thing, that revealed thing? It's Christ in you. Oh, it's something everyone else longed for. They desired to see it. Christ in you. Christ in you. So let's flip again back to Peter. Peter chapter 1. Because Peter's writing to a people here who have been persecuted who've gone through struggle. They've, they're, no, they're no longer in their homeland. They've been scattered around. They're ruled now by the Roman Empire, but they've had the Assyrians through there, the Medes and the Persians. It's been many, many years, and, and now, they have the, the, now the church is being persecuted, and the church then gets scattered. And, and they would wonder, what's going on here? What's wrong with my life? Has anybody ever wondered that, what's wrong with me? And what's going on? And where is God at? We got pretty good lives. These people, which were beaten, which were imprisoned, which were scattered, which had their homes taken away, these Christians, and some Christians ultimately that were then fed to lions and beaten and bloodied. And I'm telling you, Peter's writing to them, and he's encouraging them. And so if they went through struggles that are here, and I look back at my struggle and say, okay, wait, it's not quite there yet. It's down here someplace. And yet they did not give up on God. That's, this is who Peter's writing to. So if he's writing to them in their great struggles, then this is for your struggle too. If, they, if he wrote to them in their great struggles, this fits any struggle that you and I have. And These people went through the greatest struggles imaginable. You won't go through anything greater than what they went through. And so he writes to them. And he says, wherein greatly ye rejoice. And this is speaking of the power of God and this salvation, this Jesus Christ in you. He says, wherein greatly ye greatly rejoice. This is verse 6 of chapter 1. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations or many trials you're going through it oh it's tough it's hard and he says that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes though it be tried with fire might be found unto the praise honor and glory at the appearing of jesus christ they're going through a hard time here it felt like their world was literally on fire It felt like everything was turned upside down. And Peter is saying, hey, we've got something special. Oh, for unto us a child is born. Oh, it's unto you. And he's saying you have something here. And when you go through a trial, when you go through a hard time, you know what it's going to do? It's going to make you that much better for him. Because if you don't give up, You're going to hold on to the end. You're going to be to His praise and to His glory and to His honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Though it be tried with fire. And then He tells these people He's writing to, and this is directly for you, whom having not seen, ye love. And having not seen, you love. Oh, I've never seen Jesus with my eyeballs. Oh, but I can't wait to see Him. Oh, He's my everything. He's my hope. He's everything I longed for and everything I desired. In whom though ye have not seen Him, yet believing ye rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls." So Peter's writing here and he's telling these people that are going through much harder times we have this hope, we have this greatness and yeah, you're going to go through hard times. But then you want to briefly flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2. He says something here. 1 Peter chapter 2 and starting at verse 1 he says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. I read this at the end of this passage, and we're going to flip back to it. And I pulled up malice, and I see here an underlining principle of inherent evil, which is present, even if not outwardly expressed. I was like, okay. I see this This guile or this deceit here, this is properly to bait. Um, It says uh, trickery to hook. And I see something here. It says, wherefore laying aside all malice and guile. I see an evilness, something kind of inside you. So he's writing to people who are persecuted that have been filled with the Holy Ghost. He's encouraging them. And he's saying, hey, God's doing a great thing in you. So lay aside... This uh, oh that, that evilness. I'm like, oh, this is a drastic, this is a big difference. I've got uh, in malice, in kind of an evilness. Hey, Joey, like, what's going on here? Like, like, what what have I done today? You know, uh, um, Sal, you know, what's this? You're saying this evil. So go ahead, go get get rid of your evilness and 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 and, uh, uh, and all your guile, your deceit. Your hypocrisy, you know what hypocrisy is? Somebody acting under a mask. I see somebody on the stage. You know what I see? I see some trickery here. Uh, um, I see somebody that's, that's not doing things for the right reasons. Somebody who's maybe out to get someone else. He says envy. Those strong desires, the trait of of being glad when someone else else experiences misfortune or pain, and evil speaking is backbiting or defaming talk. I see a person here that I kind of think is maybe bitter. They're bitter. And they're angry, and they're frustrated, and they're like, and in their heart, they really don't like. They look at you, and Isaac, maybe they're looking at you, and God's blessing you, and they're like, and maybe they're, on the outside, everything looks good. But on the inside, there's some bad feelings. And on the inside, there, there's some hypocrisy. I've, I've got a mask going on. And, and maybe they needle you. And maybe they do some things they shouldn't do. And, and you know, I've felt that way before. And I apologize. And I can't look at your faces right now and think, man, I felt evil specifically towards any one of you. But I've been angry before. In fact, uh, I told one of you just a while back, but I stood over here and I lifted my hands. And as I lifted my hand, I was in a struggle. And and God just talked to me and he said, you're angry. And you know what? I said, yeah, I'm angry. I didn't say it loud like that. None of you heard me say it. I feel a little tear now. And he's like, you're angry. And I said, yeah, I'm angry. And we went back and forth there. And as I told him that, I began to feel that anger pull right out of me. Just as I said, yeah, God. And I tried to, to explain to him why I was frustrated and what, what the, the deal was. And, and, and he's like, yeah. And he began to pull. Isn't that awesome that the creator of the universe would come deal with my anger? Oh, that he would care about any of that stuff that would want to get inside. And, and Peter, he's saying, you've gone through struggles. Don't let this stuff get a hold of you, but lay it aside. And then, as a baby, just as you know, that, that little helpless thing, it doesn't know anything about the world and the brain isn't even quite there to comprehend. You know, like, oh, it's just desire the sincere milk of the word. Give it to me. He's saying, hey, get back to this. This will change you, it will save you, it will give you hope. Oh, it's going to help you. Oh, get back into it. Oh, get into it. Peter, now I want to flip back into chapter 1 as he's in this whole writing, this whole section here where he tells about people struggling. And he talks about it, and then he says, lay aside all malice and envy and hypocrisy. You know, get rid of that desire, then sincere milk of the word. Right before that, verse 13, he says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. What that was is they take that cloth, and they wore a little different clothing than I have today. I wear a belt. But they would wrap it around. They would get that cloth up here and tie it, and they would, they would get everything gathered in. So now I can do my job, and I can run a race, and I can get moving, and, and I'm not entangled in my clothing. Oh, that, that'll preach right there. You know what? We live for God, but sometimes we can even get entangled in church. And we can get entangled in, in, well, are we doing it this way or are we doing it that way? You know what? Get your heart and your mind. and and your past, and get it all together, and say, okay, God, I've got to stay focused on you. I can't let this struggle or this trial divert me. I can't let my frustration turn me away. I'm not going to spend time on getting bitter over here. Why did God bless them? Because I have an eternal hope. You know what we have? We have unto us a child is born. You may not get all your promises, or the things that you hoped for. I don't want to say promises, but your hopes provided for you may not receive everything else but you receive something greater than any other promise you could ever have wanted oh and that's jesus christ not just now in you but for eternity the salvation of your souls and this is just but for a moment but we have him forever so lay aside those things gird your mind up and get into that hope he says Um, Gird up the loins of your mind and be sober. Be sober. Don't be weary, but be sober. Be focused. The um, New Living Version says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Say, okay, I'm getting things gathered in here and I got to get focused. He says, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's our salvation, that's His deliverance, that's Christ in you, and that's He's coming back one day. And whether I go by the way of the grave, and then that trumpet blows and my body comes all together and I have a glorified body, or I get to see Him and I'm translated, Jesus is coming back. And that age to come, I have Him living in me right now. If we could stand to our feet. On this Christmas, I want to encourage you, as he, Paul said in Galatians, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I just want to tell you, you might be weary today, and you might be tired, and you might be worn out. There might be some things like, like Zechariah, that you've, you've lived for God all these years, or you've tried. You know, I'm not saying any of us are perfect, but you're, you're like, what's going on? We have received Jesus Christ. And He is a hope that's beyond all other hopes. And so I want you to be encouraged today. And I want you just to to close your eyes and lift your hands up. And tell Him about your weariness. And then let's refocus our minds on His hope. And on His salvation. And on His Spirit. Let's gird up the loins of our minds. Lord Jesus, you see every individual in this place and online. You see them, you see their family members, you see the struggles. God, You came for them, for unto us a child is born, greater than any other child that was ever born. God, You came and You gave Yourself for us. Oh God, I ask You to heal hearts today. I ask You, Lord, to remove envyings and bitterness and strife. And I ask You, God, to, to pull out anger and to heal hearts and to bring peace and restore Your love, Lord Jesus, into people who've gone through struggle and trial. And help us, O oh God, we recommit to You today. Oh, this Christmas, God, You gave to us and You went through unimaginable sufferings for us. And we're recommitting, God. We give ourselves to You. Oh God, we hope in You. We trust in You. Oh God, and our hope isn't for naught. Because Lord, You filled us with Your Spirit. Oh, God, You've come and lived inside of us. You are, oh, God, Christ in us, the hope of glory. I want you to know, Jesus, oh, that's a special thing. Oh, that's an awesome thing. Oh, it's the greatest thing ever, and I love You. I love You, Jesus. Oh, You have all my commitment. You have all my trust. Oh, God, I love You. Oh, let Him know that You love Him. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I need your help, but I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, you are holy. You are wonderful. You are great. Oh, Church of Omaha, everyone under the sound of my voice, for unto us a child is born. Don't let bitterness and strife, it'll come in. And when you're going through real struggles, I'm telling you, you you can be like, just be like, God, I can't do this. When something comes back in, tell him. But then reach into him because you have to get that stuff out of you because he's given you his spirit. Don't let little things steal the greatest treasure ever out of your life. Refocus on him this Christmas season. Come back in here, be in here right sharp at 1120. We're going to have our children's program. They've worked really hard. Some of you were here last night, and and they've done an excellent job. So um, enjoy the Christmas program, and God bless you.